Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, internationally recognized branding consultant and best-selling author of the books, Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. By having a relentless mentality, I've pushed boundaries and gotten into rooms with pro athletes and power players, built a successful business, and moved the ball in male-dominated industries. Now, I'm using my same of the ball methodology to help thousands of people dominate their game when it comes to their brands and creating opportunities. This podcast is all about uncovering strategies of the world's best athletes and business leaders to help you get to that next level. Join me in conversations that will elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, thanks for joining me today. Real quickly, if you haven't already done so, be sure that you follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode. Also, share the show with some friends, family, colleagues, and coworkers too. One other thing, I would love for you to leave a review and let me know what you think of the show. I always enjoy getting your feedback. Now, for today's episode, I had a chance to sit down with Derek Kennard, who is a retired NFL player that was selected in the third round of the 1984 USFL draft by the Los Angeles Express. DK was then selected by the St. Louis Cardinals in the second round of the 1984 NFL supplemental draft. On the show, we discussed DK's experience playing in both the USFL and the NFL, winning Super Bowl 30 with the Dallas Cowboys, and we also chat about his son, Devon, who is an NFL linebacker. Devon was drafted in the fifth round of the 2014 NFL draft by the New York Giants, and he has also played for the Lions, the Cardinals, and the Ravens. On the show, we also talk about some of the things that Devon is doing to move the ball beyond football. Have a listen to this episode. Derek, it is so great to have you inside the huddle with us today. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing fine, Jen. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad that you are with us. I'm really excited. I saw you during Super Bowl weekend, many different places, the Taste of the NFL, and also you were doing something fantastic to help make a difference and an impact for so many kids in the community, giving them toys, giving them books. You were signing some footballs and interacting with the kids. And so one of the things I really enjoy highlighting on the show, I always say that moving the ball is not just about what you do in your life and your career, but it's about the impact you make on others. And so how were the events when there's so many things going on during Super Bowl weekend? How was that event specifically to be able to interact with all the kids? It's always wonderful doing things for kids. When you see the smiles on their faces and and see that we genuinely care about these kids and them having toys that we gave out along with the literacy of giving out the books for the kids is always a wonderful thing to do with the kids and the joy to see the smiles on their faces fantastic it says it all you are someone who has been playing you had a history in the nfl usfl been a professional athlete understand what it takes to be at the highest level of professional football what has the sport of professional football or playing football taught you to be successful beyond the game what habits what practice what things did you learn so that you could be successful no matter what you did whether it's sports related or beyond It taught me resiliency and, of course, to always have a set yourself up for your life beyond football. And and when you do that, you're talking about your education and what it is that you're passionate about doing after your life beyond football. And I submerged myself into my education and helping out some juveniles that were in some trouble and helping them right the ship. And seeing my kids later on in life to see them flourish in life 
and run back some of the things I used to say to them and let me know that it did sink in. It's a wonderful feeling to see these kids come back as an adult and see that they turned out really well. You know that the NFL draft recently happened for 2023 and so many young men got to hear their names called and their lives have changed as they're beginning to enter this new chapter of becoming a professional athlete. And you are very familiar with that process. And so share with us, what was it like for you? First, you were drafted in the third round of the 1984 USFL draft and then drafted in the second round of the 84 supplemental draft. Talk to us about that process, since that process is different today than it was when you were playing. It was totally different for me. I wasn't available during my draft because I've already signed with the USFL LA Express. A large population of the first round draft picks and second round draft picks were already taken in the USFL, such as myself, Steve Young, Gary Zimmerman, Mike Ruther, Mark Addicts, Hudson out of BYU was a tight end. It was just so many of us crossed over into the USFL. For obvious reasons, we were forcing the NFL to start paying players much more than they're paying now at the previous time. And this is what caused the NFL to start paying players much, much more. The cause of us going to the USFL and all of us draft picks that were drafted in the first, second rounds. We all had crossed over to the USFL and what an experience. It was a great time. I enjoyed my years playing with Steve Young and all those guys. And matter of fact, I played quite a bit against Reggie White with the Memphis Showboats. When I got to the St. Louis Cardinals, I was very familiar with Mr. Reggie White. (laughs) (laughs) We also lifted the NFL, forced their hand to start paying players more money. And now look at it. They're making millions of dollars. It's unbelievable how these guys are making so much more money now. It was because of what we did back then. And we talk about how the draft has recently occurred and these guys are transitioning from their old chapter of college football into this new journey, being a professional athlete. How was that transition for you? You went to college at the University of Nevada in Reno. What was it like as you started your journey with the LA Express? Leaving University of Nevada at Reno and going to Los Angeles to play ball and to be in Los Angeles, it was so wonderful because of the beach and all the aviance of being in. LA was so wonderful, but what a competitive league, what a great experience. I learned quite a bit on how to be a pro with the current pros that were already there. I learned how to be a pro and transitioned that into going over to the NFL. It served me well. Were there differences between USFL and the NFL in terms of the way that they operated as a business? There was no difference. We had a general manager that did the negotiating of all the contracts, such as the NFL. They modeled everything they did right along the lines of the NFL. And it was a similar effects of what they did. They had general managers doing the negotiating. They had owners. Of course, they had coaches and the rest of the staff there. And I had a guy that was one of our staff members was a assistant to the head coach by the name of Sid Gilman. He is no longer with us any longer, but he was our office of coordinator. And what a mind that guy had, Sid Gilman from the San Diego Chargers. He was fantastic and very innovative and he loved to throw the ball. 
most of my fans that know me, I like to run the ball. We had some running backs as well with Kevin Mack and Kevin Nelson and Mel Gray. We all did a great job of running the ball and showcasing our talent. It was fantastic working with those group of guys. And you mentioned getting to go to Los Angeles and the weather and the beaches. Now, when you went to the NFL, you were in St. Louis with the Cardinals. Very different climate than L.A. How was that adjustment for you? When I went to St. Louis, the adjustment to going what they call the Midwest, it was very different. I didn't know much about racism and a lot of other things that occurred to that happened to me while I was in St. Louis and living in the land of freedom here in, in California. It was uh, it was very different for me. And what was your most memorable part about being a part of the St. Louis Cardinals, which is now the Phoenix Cardinals? Us having a strike, and it was gut-wrenching seeing our guys cross the picket line. But it was for a great cause. We did get a collective bargaining agreement. They were raising salaries. They did all the things we were asking them to do. We weren't able to get the free agency like we wanted to, but we did accomplish most of the things we had on our laundry list. And you ended up playing with the Cardinals for a few seasons, then went over to the New Orleans Saints. How was that? Just knowing that the time has come and you're moving to a new team. What was that move like for you in going to a new culture? At the time, I had a couple of two very small kids and dealing with some of the racism and things that were going on in the city. That was difficult to explain to my kids who were very young. And no matter your celebrity status, things like that happens. But that was my first exposure to it. Being a kid out of California, I didn't know anything about that. And how do you adjust with that kind of culture and these differences, something that had been new for you and then not a positive experience? How are you working through that from a mental standpoint? I was able to surround myself with some good people that weren't racist like that. And they were white and they were good people. And we would fish and, and do things on my off days that were just ordinary, regular folks stuff, stuff that we would do. It's just me being me. I'm a free spirit person that I have a love for people. And I don't count that against anybody. It was somewhat goes back to how they were raised and I didn't put much weight on it. I always think that this too will pass. What were some of the things that you were doing right to really separate and differentiate yourself from other guys in the league? You have to stick with the off-season regimen of your workouts. There are people counting on you. And I would always stay close to the organization to, to stay ready and in shape and ready to go for each and every season. Your availability is your best ability is being available for Sundays. During your career, you also played with the Dallas Cowboys. What was that transition like going from the Saints and becoming a Cowboy? That was a culture shock because they just came off of two big Super Bowl wins by about the time I got there. And we ended up doing the deal and it turned out being a fantastic transition. We ended up coming up a game short of going to the Super Bowl by losing that year to the San Francisco 49ers at the NFC Championship game in San Francisco in 94. And that was a tough one because all my guys that was on that team, they had just won two Super Bowls. And I was probably one of the only guys on the roster that did not have a Super Bowl. And I was really upset. So they showed me on the San Francisco Chronicle crying like a baby on the sidelines on, on the bench while they were in a locker room and they were 
really jubilant about the season ending because they had a couple of long seasons behind them. I was not. I felt a little different than they all did. All my family and everyone I knew, they were in the building. So it was really upsetting for us to lose that NFC Championship game. That game, I had the beast in front of me. His name was Mr. Brian Young. Him and Deion Sanders were the baddest dudes over there on that side of the ball. I had one of the two, and I was doing my job very well, and we didn't do so well. Every experience that we go through, I believe, is there. It's for a purpose to help us to become better for subsequent things that we go through and to be better at our craft. And so what did you learn from that experience to help you to continue to be better? And I mean, obviously you guys ended up winning Super Bowl 30. So what did you learn from that experience losing the NFC Championship and how did that help you? That we are really capable of overcoming adversity and we we can't put ourselves behind the eight ball by giving up three interceptions in the first 27 seconds of the game. <laughs> You can't do that. We have to do better. We have to block better. We have to throw better. We all have to do everything better and prepare better. So I, on the sideline, was shown getting after Troy about that. Now he's a Hall of Famer and a broadcaster. But we had some words about that because he threw those three picks, two to Dion, another one to Mr. Hicks. And that, that really got under my skin and made me go after him on the sideline. But we kissed and made up and we went back out on the field. And we came close to winning that game, but it was an uphill battle the entire way. So it was a tough loss. So let's talk about the 95 season where you guys ended up winning the Super Bowl in January of 96. What was that season like for you all? What were you doing right leading up just during the regular season and then going into the postseason? When it get late into the season, we, we start getting guys nicked up. We have guys that have sprained ankles, sprained wrists, broken finger or broken thumb or whatever it is. Something's happening with all of our guys. It's late in the season, and we all are sucking it up because we want to win. And we had those adversities face us, and we knew that, like, say, for myself, I had to overcome a shoulder separation from – a couple of games before the Super Bowl, which we played in Philadelphia, and we won that game. But my I separated my shoulder at the bottom of one of those piles. I had my arm wrapped around another guy, and with the pile piling on, it separated my right shoulder. So the remainder of the playoffs, I had to play with my right dominant hand on my snap hand. I was playing center that year. On my snap hand, I, my right shoulder was separated. I had to overcome that with painkillers and some things that they're not advised to do any longer in this day and age. They don't do that anymore. They they will send you home. And let's talk about the Super Bowl. So January 28th, <laughs> 1996, Super Bowl 30, Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe, Arizona. You guys play the Pittsburgh Steelers and end up winning 27 to 17. What was that game? What was it like for you to be out there? And just tell us a little bit more about that. By this time, I had adopted my hometown of being Phoenix, Arizona. Since I was part of the St. Louis Cardinals moving to Phoenix, Arizona, my wife and I adopted this oasis in the desert as our home. And it was fantastic. It was wonderful. I had plenty of family and friends that wanted tickets. I only could accommodate for my local boys and girls club and my family and friends is all I can accommodate. I did all I could do. One thing that we were afraid of, they were going to play Cordell Stewart 
and we were so happy they did not play that kid. He was somebody that we were not prepared for, and he's like a similar to a Kyler Murray that will run the ball. He can beat you with his legs, and he can beat you with his arm. We were so afraid that they were going to play that guy, and they didn't. He kept that quarterback in there, and he threw those interceptions to Mr. Brown. And, of course, he became the Super Bowl MVP, and the rest is history. And you mentioned Cordell Stewart. People used to call him Slash, and he could move, too. He was one of those people that really could scramble and run, and so I enjoyed watching Cordell play. Obviously, wasn't rooting for the Steelers against the Cowboys, but I did enjoy watching him play during his career, for sure. Now, you also have a son. He's a linebacker, played in the league for many years, went to USC, was drafted in the fifth round of the 2014 NFL Draft. A lot of guys nowadays understand that to be a professional athlete is that you are a professional and this is a business. This is your profession. It's not just about getting to play the sport that you love. When you look at USC, how do you think they help prepare Devon for the transition? And obviously he had your wonderful guidance as well, but what do you think the university did well to prepare him for that transition? USC did a fantastic job with my son. He could have been a computer science or space scientist, as far as that concerned, because the guy is super smart, but getting his bachelor's degree in communications, his master's as an executive of communications, he's doing so wonderfully well in preparation for his life after football. He does have some time left to go back and play. He does want to play some more, and he is going to play this coming up season, but we just don't know which team yet. He's a free agent. But USC did a fantastic job preparing him for the media because once he was drafted in the fifth round to the New York Jets, he was faced with the media and had to deal with that onslaught of the number one media machine in the nation, which is New York also in Detroit and now here in Phoenix and as well as the Baltimore Ravens. So he did a wonderful job with dealing with that. But one of the things that they prepared him for was life after football, which is he invested money with a book that he has out now called It All Adds Up. And it's on Amazon. Go to Amazon.com and get your book there. Devon is invested in quite a bit of real estate. He owns several homes in Ohio quite a few homes here in Arizona. And as of recently, he just purchased some homes out down in Tampa, Florida. I was just made aware this morning that he made a purchase of a commercial building for offices. So he's doing fantastic with his investments. He goes around the NFL Players Association telling other guys how they can start their own enterprise of investments and generational wealth is what he's preaching to these guys. And he's doing a wonderful job of doing that with the NFLPA, as well as just doing it out in freelance with the general public. And what got him into investing in real estate? As someone who is in the profession of real estate is one of the many things that I do. Just curious, like to hear, like when did that kind of light bulb click and say, you know what, I want to do this and start positioning for my future beyond football? I invested in some income properties that served us well and helped him through college and his brother and his sister. <laughs> you didn't have to look far to find any examples. Dad did well with my investments in some income properties and, and that nature. So he learned from that, but he's taken it to a whole nother level 
beyond what dad could ever dream of. And it's just amazing how time has changed where you not only can have a income property, you can have Airbnb properties that are just making hand over fish more money than the properties that my son have in Ohio. The money that he makes on his properties here in Arizona with his Airbnbs is just phenomenal. There's all kinds of things in existence today that allow people to capitalize on other revenue generating activities like Airbnb, as well as other platforms and technologies. And so it's definitely an interesting time that we live in. And there's no shortage of opportunities to build wealth and to have investments that are going to continue to produce income that'll help you, whether you're a football player or not, right? I mean, there's so many things out there that people should be looking into to continue to have multiple streams of income. He understands that diversification of his portfolio. He knows how to diversify and and invest his money in other areas. When the Airbnb things die down, he has other investments that he's invested in that will still generate a good stream of income, such as those 24 properties out there in Ohio. That's great. He's definitely got a playbook for success, and he had a great coach mentor to help him in you dad so good job and so what we're going to do now is we're going to take a quick break and when we come back we're going to have some fun and i'm going to ask you some other questions we'll be right back hey have you moved the ball in your own life today if you're working toward your dream job a new personal record or a bigger salary you need a plan to consistently make progress that's why i wrote move the ball and dominate the game these books are packed with strategy and easy to implement tips on gaining clarity of your goals developing your own personalized playbook for success pushing your boundaries of comfortability and really elevating and dominating Go to www.dominateandmove.com and enter code DOMINATE2023 for a 20% discount on the bundle. And all books are signed copies as well. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, DK, we are back and I'm going to run you through my two-minute drill. Are you ready to have some fun? (laughs) Let's go. First question is, what three words would you use to describe yourself? Live, love, laugh. If you know about any comedy shows that are going on, You'll probably catch me at one of those, whether they're amateurs or they're professionals. I love a good laugh. Next question is, what is one thing that most people don't know about you? Most people don't know that I'm a musician and I play the trombone. Most of my youth, I was a first chair trombonist that played in orchestras as well as jazz bands. And I can jam. Now, would you rather be the world champion of your sports, which you have been, or would you rather be the CEO of a billion-dollar company, and why? I enjoy being a former NFL player, a football player, but being a CEO of a billion-dollar company, that would be better. Why? Because I would travel the world in a private jet. What book are you currently reading, or what podcast are you currently listening to? It all adds up is what I'm reading now, which is my son's book that just came out. Now, if you could have any song played at all of your public appearances, what would that song be? What would your intro warm-up song be? That song, Let's Go. It says, let's go. And then it got a rock beat in the background. Let's go. I know the song (laughs) that you're talking about. Next question is, what would your next career move be if you were guaranteed to succeed? What would you do? I would be a real estate investor. Now, you have 24 hours in a private plane that will take you anywhere. Where are you going? I would probably want to go to the Netherlands. 
And the bonus question is M&M's, plain or peanuts? <laughs> peanuts, come on! So DK, as we look to close the show, let people know, do you have any last thoughts for the listeners? Teach One, Reach One is one of the things I used to tell my kids and the group home business that I was once in as, and also as my students that I would talk to. You know, if you get it, teach somebody else to get it. And my kids always come back to me to tell me about that. He said, man, you used to tell me to teach one, reach one. And I always want you guys to reach back and help somebody else like I helped you. Oh, I like that. And that goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the show, where it's about making an impact and being able to serve and help other people too. It's not just about you. And that's how you really move the ball is by serving others. Well, DK, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a true pleasure having you on. And we will also have a link to your son's book in the show notes too, so people can check it out. So thank you again for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And thank you to everyone for listening to today's episode. If you haven't already done so, be sure that you hit that follow button so that you never miss a future episode. And also share the show with some friends, colleagues, coworkers, and family too. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. All right. Thanks, everyone. We will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thanks for listening to Move the Ball, everybody. If you were inspired by this episode, can you do me a favor and let me know? Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And also, share the show with a few friends, too. Next, I want you to go to GetInsideTheHuddle.com and join our email list. This will give you priority access to tips and strategies that will help you get more done today. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. You got that? Okay, until next time.